We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning, everyone. Well, that sounds like somebody turned a switch off. A few weeks ago, we started talking about uh, how to study the Bible. And so I want to start a new series here in Sunday School, and we're going to do this for, for, for a little while. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to take some simple words today, but we're going to talk about how to study the Bible. We're going to talk about some words in the Bible. And each week, uh, what I want you to do, if you're able, each week is to maybe text me or text me words that you would like to talk about next week. So you'll get it, text me or text me, right? So you got to text me for me to get there. Let, can I do a little pastoring here first? Just allow me to, you know, I, I appreciate what everybody does and, and the things that they do, but sometimes people just do what you ask them not to, and sometimes you just have to put it out there for everybody. And so one of the hardest things for me to do is preach when I see something like this and you can't see it, but it's this big fish that Darren caught. Who's your daddy? <laughs> Who's your daddy of all things? Father's Day week. Okay. So thank you, Darren. <laughs> I know he's always ready and willing to help. So... We're glad the Nelsons are back. Hope they had a great trip. And we can't wait for ours. <laughs> Y'all didn't know the Nelsons were sending all of us to Alaska, did you? Okay, I just want to let you know. <laughs> there are different ways to study the Bible. And so we're going to start off with the simple way to look at the Bible and study the Bible. You know, quite often we get the desire to read the Bible. And uh, reading is great. You should be reading but studying, uh, the Bible doesn't say read to show thyself approved unto God, a workman. It says study to show thyself. And so there's a difference between reading Scripture and studying Scripture. And again, don't stop reading, but understand that, you know, maybe sometimes you just read two or three verses and you study the two or three verses. So that's kind of what we're going to go into today is how to do that, what to do, and we'll look at a few words. Now, uh, Bible study is, is important to Christian life, just like, you know, we all eat food, right? We're going to have food today. You have food tomorrow. You're going to have food every day unless you're on a fast. You're going to have food. It's important to your body. You've got to have it to keep up the, the strength and the nourishment and all those things. Well, the Word is the same way spiritually. And, like, if you don't eat for a couple of weeks, you know it. Physically, your body, it tell, you, your body tells you. And here's the thing about the Spirit. When you don't eat spiritually, it doesn't just tell you. It shows you. It shows you. It shows up. You know, I can tell there are people that I talk with on, on a you know, weekly basis, basically, that I can tell when they're in the Word and when they're not. I can tell. I, you, it just, you can feel it and you can tell it uh, because of the, the conversation you have and those type of things. So it's, it's, it's important for us to understand that the Word is our food. Now, we can fast, and what, fast is a spiritual tool, right, which is a tool we use uh, 
A lot of people fast because they want to get a job. That's, I'm not going to get into fasting, but fasting is a spiritual weapon. It's a weapon. You don't need a weapon to get a job. So we're going to talk about fasting in a later deal. You don't need a weapon to get a job. You need faith to get a job. So the reason I'm saying that is that we don't ever, we may fast for different reasons physically, uh, but we never fast from God's Word spiritually for any reason. Never fast from God's Word. It's not, it's not uh, something that we do. So, again, there's various ways to study the Bible. We're going to just talk about different ways to study it. One of the things that I've had is I got this book in the early 80s. It's about 300 bucks, and it's a strong, exhaustive concordance. It has the Hebrew, the Chaldean, uh, and the Greek in it. Uh, you can get them now online for 30 bucks. So don't, don't I feel really good? Uh, the Strong's Concordance is just what it is. It takes you, every word that's in Scripture is in that concordance. And what happens is if you look up the word today, and every word today is in the Scripture, it'll tell you where it's at in Scripture. And then if it's in the Old Testament, it'll tell you what the Hebrew word means or the Chaldean. If it's in the New Testament, it'll tell you what the Greek word means. But it's very singularized. In other words, it's this. It just tells you for today. It, it, it doesn't match any other words that match with today that mean the same thing. So there's a thing that Austin mentioned uh, last week and that Brian is going to help me with here, and it's called uh, the Blue Letter Bible. The Blue Letter Bible is something that's very, uh, once you learn to navigate through it, it's extremely good. So I'm going to let Brian, if he will, just tell us uh, the benefits of the Blue Letter Bible. Number one, it's on your phone. You can get there instead of carrying around a big brown book. But I'm going to let him just for a, for a few minutes tell us the benefits of a Blue Letter Bible. Okay. Easyworship.org, or I'm not easyworship, but the blueletterbible.org is where I go. There's also a phone app. I find the Internet version is easier to navigate. This has been around 15-plus years. I started it when it first came out, and they've added a lot to it since then. What we started looking at was the word saved this morning. I put it in here. It comes up, if you look, if you can see it up on the screen, there are multiple Bible uh, types. King James, New King James, New Living, NIV. There's a bunch of different ones you can use to search words for. It also will search single words, phrases, multiple words that are discontinuous. Uh, well, anyway, they don't have to be words in, in order in the Bible, just words, which makes it nice because Strong's Concordance is a single word search. This, you can find multiple words. So I looked up saved. I believe Pastor Don's going to get into that. And here it says there are 104 verses that have the word saved. And this is the King James Version here. And that's what Strong uses is the King James Version. So if I go down here to the New Testament portion, you'll see that there are multiple sections, Genesis 47, 25 to Matthew 24, 13, and then on and on. But I'll pick Matthew 10 because it says 10, 22, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. I can then go up to the tools, and it will tell me what the Greek means. And you can see every word in that 
verse is defined. And then shall be saved is the Greek 4982 number out of the Strong's Concordance. At that point, oh, and while I'm there, you can see uh, the verse in context there. But if I click on 4982. And again, that number is the number that's in the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. Strong's Concordance. We're doing real quickly what takes long time going through the Strong's. Right. It's very difficult. And so then it goes and gives you the definitions to save, keep safe, sound, to rescue from danger or destruction. And it goes on with all the various interpretations of that word. What's nice about this is it shows every reference now that that Greek word appears. The Strong's doesn't do that. That was what Pastor Don was talking about earlier. You can't go the other direction. So the question I have for you is, so the Greek word for saved is a particular word. Yes. But it's also the same Greek word for some other different words? Yes. Okay. And if you look here, the word is sozo. Sozo. Yeah. yeah. And you can see it up there. That is how it's pronounced. So if we go down here, I'm going to go down here to Luke, which is a very interesting place. Luke 8. You'll see Luke 8, 12, it says they should believe and be saved. 8, 36 says was possessed of devils and was healed. The word healed is also the word sozo. Same word as saved. Same word as saved. And also in Luke 8, 48, it says, faith has made the whole. The made is sozo. And so the whole word made is the same Greek word as saved. And so is whole. Sozo. That appeared twice in that verse. And like Luke 8, 50, again says, made the whole. Luke 9, 24, will save. Same shall be saved. And you can see that, what it's doing. You can see that a particular Greek word is translated sometimes in multiple different English words. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Which occurs 110 times. Strong's number. Yeah, it's right there. It says G4982 matches the Greek sozo, which occurs 110 times in 103 verses. Wow. So it gives you good statistics, too. But this is the one part that I didn't get to do in 1980 as I was trying to learn this, is now this has been incorporated into a computer program which will go both directions. And the problem I had when I was first studying and using paper and trying to put fingers in different places in Strong's Concordance and in various places in my Bible was I got caught up in the mechanism and lost track of the purpose for the searching. This yeah. one is so quick, you don't lose the purpose. You can get it. So, so let me ask this question. I think we talked about this. Not only do you, does it show you the Greek or the Hebrew, if you're back in the Old Testament, but it tells you the different words that reference the same Greek word. But there are also commentaries that you can yes. pull up in the, in the what you can't you can't do in a Strong's Concordance. 
you can't pull up commentaries of any type in a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance when you're studying. And that's one of the things they've added to this program is concord uh, what you just said. Um, the Strong's? No, the Blue Commentaries. Oh, commentaries. They've added Sorry. commentaries to this, too, as, a, as part of the overall package. The other thing is once you get to, like, uh, let's see, we were at Luke. Uh, let's go down to Luke again. Like Luke 8.48, if you really want to know what's going on, you I can click on 8.48, and it takes me right to there, and I can see the context of all the verse there. Starting, I mean, it takes me right to 8.48 in line. Does that make sense? Right. And so in this particular verse, you have a lady that's needing to be healed. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, so, daughter of thy faith hath made thee whole or yeah so so not only do you get the understanding of the word but you can pull it up the verses you and you can come into the understanding of the context one of the problems in uh studying the bible is studying out of context studying words and getting an, uh, the uh, this is the definition of the word but not understanding that that word is in the context of a or framed within a given story if you will mm -hmm. and so uh, you may need this woman may, may need to have been healed, saved, sozo, but in another place, somebody from their sins may need to be saved, healed, sozo. So it depends. The context is very important when you're studying the Bible. One of the reasons we have so many denominations is that it's out of con we're studying out of context. When you study in context, you find out this thing narrows itself down. Real, the Bible's real easy to study if you come to that point. Thank you, Brian. And so the, the Blue Letter Bible is a good, you can get it on your phone, you can get it on your computer. Uh, it's, it's, it's a quicker, faster, easier way to study. I'm of the old school, and I still use the brown book because uh, I'm a different person. But then I've got commentaries. The thing about commentaries is that commentaries are what they are. They're someone's comments. And generally, comment, commentaries are written by individuals who are from a particular group, could be a Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Presbyterian, uh, non-denominal, doesn't matter. So understand that when you're reading commentaries, when you're studying, they are comments. They're not necessarily the facts because they're, they're, they're reading from, from if, just for instance, I use my group because where I came from. I came from the Baptist. When, when you find a, a commentary from the Baptist side of it, they're going to give you the Baptist take on it in the commentary. Does that make sense? And so what you have to do is you have to look at the commentary. So we're going to start with a simple and work forward. We're just I want to throw this out because some people already are thinking of using commentaries. When you're using commentaries, you have to go back and then understand the meaning of particular words and the context they're in. We're going to, we're going to do this here in a second so that you see it physically see it happen. Uh, because when you study words, uh, and the best, the best thing to do is do word study, verse study, chapter study, book study, Bible study. Start with the simplicity of word study. When you get the word, okay, this is what this word means. Have you ever looked up a word in the Bible and you realize, I didn't know what that meant? I didn't know that meant that. Now that changes the whole subject of the, yes, it does, because you've been reading it out of context. Your mind has been taught something that's not in context. And I had to deal with that because I was in my old church, you know, over 20 years. And so they're very good at teaching and a lot of denominations are very good at teaching their denominal way. And so you get those. I'll just, I'm going to throw something out to you. Don't, don't, don't be a gasp. 
Every time I baptize somebody, because as a child, I always heard the preacher say, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And every single time I've ever baptized anybody up here, I've had to hesitate. You know why? Because that's what I was taught, and that's what wants to come out. But in fact, the Bible says that the, the name of the Father is Jesus, the name of the Son is Jesus, and we baptize in Jesus' name. So it's still in, in, you know, I've been in the church for 40 years, and it still wants to come out. That's what happens. And so a lot of times when we're studying, we, we've got to stop. And even if you were raised in the Pentecostal movement, some of the things you were taught in that Pentecostal movement aren't exactly correct because they're out of context. So we're going to look at Word today, and then we're going to talk about a few things, and we're going to progress as we go in this, and we're going to look at verse, and we're going to progress as we go in this, and chapter, and because, again, con- if I, I can't say this enough, context is very, very important, very important. At any time, if you have a question or you have a statement, just raise your hand. We'll, we'll get, so remember the commentaries, again, are just, they're commentaries uh, that are given normally by a particular group that they're in. So word study is a good place to start because it unveils the true meaning of the word. It unveils the true meaning of the word. And where it's in Scripture according to the context in the Scripture. Uh, there's nothing wrong with studying a chapter right now. I'm not telling you don't, but I can tell you if you will begin with word and work your way up from verse the chapter, it, it'll enlighten you in a greater sense about what is being actually being said. Let me, let me just throw something at you, and then we're going to look at a few words. Uh, everybody's familiar with John chapter 3. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. He didn't want anybody to know what was going on, so he snuck in at night and said, hey, you know, we know that you're a, you're a man from God. Nobody can do this. He didn't ask any questions. He was making statements, and Jesus just went to the point, you know, you've you got to be born again. Okay, so we know that context of that story, right? So in the context of that story, he said you must be born of water and of the Spirit. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of Spirit is Spirit. You know, don't, don't be alarmed that, you know, you, you, you hear the wind, you don't see it. So is the same with the Spirit. So as you're reading John chapter 3, and, and you see that if you've got a red-letter Bible, you'll see that that's the red letters are, are what's attributed to what Jesus said. So here we come to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it's in red letter. But understand this. This is John's, John's gospel, like Luke's gospel, like Mark's gospel. Like Each one of them is the gospel according to. Each one of these, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, wrote their gospels according to their experience with Jesus Christ. They don't contradict one another. As a matter of fact, you've got to put them all together to get the full gospel. You can't just take Matthew. You can't just take Mark. You can put them all together to get the full gospel. And so in John's gospel, as John's writing, he says for God's, Jesus didn't say for God so loved the world that he gave us. Jesus hadn't been given yet. He was still alive. He hadn't been crucified. He hadn't risen from the, so you understand that in the context that we've always been taught, Jesus made this statement when in fact it was a statement that John the apostle wrote in his gospel, for God so loved the world. It's kind of like if you're telling a story, and in the middle of it, you remember how great this person is, and in the middle of the story, you say, and you know what, this person is so great, and you know, I've been telling you everything that person said, but they didn't say they were so great. I'm saying that. So that's what John 3.16 is. So do you understand the context? Is that, I'm not trying to be simple, but want to make sure we, we understand that there's context in every single chapter, and understand this, in the original manuscripts, there is no verse, chapter, 
that was broken up later. So that's, that's why context is important. Oftentimes you'll be reading a chapter and you'll go into the next chapter and it seems like it's continuous. That's because it is. If you're studying, and we're going to go to a few words here. So if you're studying, if you're studying wor- uh, words, chapters, or whatever, and you look into the context of it, understand that the context, you've heard Bishop say this, is if it's in context, it's in context. If it's not in context in your study, it's just a pretext. In other words, just, you know, now, now we're developing a new idea. That's, you ever wonder why there's so many different denominations? There's over 2,000 Christian denominations. 2,000. Why is that? It's context, context. So let's, let's, let's look at the, the word world here. I mean, say, well, I, I did world in my deal, so we'll do world first. Let's look at the word world. So we just talked about for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. 2 Timothy 1 and 9, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Jesus Christ before the world began. So we here have two scriptures that have the word world in them. So we have to understand they are within their own context. Right? Each one has its own context. So when John wrote, for God so loved the world, the Greek word is cosmos. But let me ask you a question. What do you think the English word for saved or for world means? Universe? Y'all don't laugh at my, I'm doing it quick. Second Timothy, one and nine. What do you think? Another, yeah, I got to do better than that. I can't even read that. So, world, universe, earth. What do you think the English word for world is? There's no wrong answer here. So, planet. Community? Everything? Okay. All right, I'm, gonna, I'm running out of space here. So, Okay, so we have the general idea. 2 Timothy 1 and 9. Huh? Global? Let's see if I can squeeze that in here. So we have an idea of what we think world means in, in the ink. So if we're looking at for God, so, for God so loved the universe, for God so loved the earth, for God so loved the planet, for God so loved the community, for God so loved the global. So um, just, just stay, stick with me. Who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to his works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the universe began, before the earth began, before the planet began, before the community began, before the global community. That's how we look at words in the scripture. That's English is diluted. 
And so we look at these words like world in different places, but we have the same concept of world. We have the same concept of world. So in in John, the Greek word for world is cosmos. That sounds... Cosmos. The word cosmos, when you look it up in the Greek... Because that's the word he uses here. It means orderly arrangement, the decoration, adorning the inhabitants. John, we're looking at John first. So John, when John in John 3.16, the word is cosmos. Cosmos means everything that's inhabitant of this planet, of this earth. It wasn't that God so loved the trees, and it wasn't so that God so loved the oceans. And it would, but understand that the cosmos is is community. It's, it it in, it encases the planet, but the word actually means the inhabitants. For God so loved the inhabitants that He gave His only begotten Son. Now let's let's go to Second Timothy. That word there is a heoni, almost a a i o. N I O S, a heony is how it's pronounced. So in Second in Timothy chapter one, that before the world began, that uh, that oheoni word means perpetual, eternal, time past, present, and future, messianic period. So John three sixteen doesn't mean perpetual, eternal. Past that word world doesn't mean that it means inhabitants. But when Paul is writing to Timothy and he's talking to Timothy, he's saying that. But according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, it's the word world there is talking about an age or time messianic age. Now is that confusing? It's confusing. Because you understand that the word world in John 3.16 is totally different than the word world in 1 Timothy. Two, two different words altogether. But, but translated from the original, when we, we just have the word world. We don't have all, uh, English is so diluted, we don't have the different words. We just have one word for world, and it can mean several different things. But we have one word. In the Greek, you have the word which that word, particular word is being used in context means. I can take this out of context and say that in First, in first Timothy, that, that before the beginning of the universe, the planet, but it's, it's talking about age and time. So one is talking about inhabitants, John 3.16. The other one is talking about age and time, Second Timothy. One is physical. The other is spiritual. World. The context for John 3 is God's love for us, the world and its inhabitants. The context for 2 Timothy 1 is the context of time. But you could easily just say world and confuse the two. And now you're out of context. And so when you read the letter that Paul writes to Timothy, you can lose the whole context of the letter simply from one verse. That's why word study is important. It's to look at, now, do you have to study every single word? It's good to. And the blue letter will do that for you. 
The Blue Letter Bible will, will break that whole verse down for you as opposed to Pastor Don getting in there and going to every word and looking up the number, each word looking up the number. That's the arduous way to do it. That's the way I do it. But that's why we wanted you to see the Blue Letter Bible. So it helps you to, to, to break down what the verse is actually saying, not what you think it means. Oftentimes we read scriptures and we think it means one thing when it means something totally different simply because we don't understand the words. Again, I'm going back to this. It's not read to show thyself approved. It's steady to show thyself approved. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Anybody, have I confused you yet? If you don't get it, raise your hand. Don't be embarrassed. I mean, we're talking about this is something. Why is Pastor Don doing this? Because Pastor Don feels really... uh, in prayer and my conversation with God and the relationship I have with God, that in this next year, if you don't have this, you're not going to make it. Whatever is going to happen, and I, I'm not a prophet, but I can tell you something's going to happen in this coming year that's going to cause you that if you don't have this ability to do this, you're not going to make it because you're, you're not going to have food for your soul. And if you don't, you can say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a, you know, uh, but if you don't eat the word, you're going to starve to death. Well, once I'm saved, I'm always saved. We're going to get into that here pretty quick. Not today. Once I'm saved, it doesn't matter what happens. You know, it's like saying, well, once I eat a steak, I can just for the rest of my life not eat. No. You're going to starve to death. And so we're going to show you in Scripture why that particular doctrine, where it came from, and why people think it's what it is, because of a word. Simply because of a mistranslated word. Hey, John. Yes. I was just going to add one thing that I really like about Blue Letter Bible, and I look up things a little bit different than Brian, but the word world, the same as John 3.16, one other place in the Scripture, it's used as adorning, A-D-O-R-N-I-N-G, in 1 Peter 3.3. And I would have never thought that adorning means world. I would have never connected those two. Um, words, as in if I didn't have the Blue Letter Bible um, or really be able to dive into it. So that was just more or less reemphasizing why I, why I like using it also is because... So it's it, the same, it, same Greek word, cosmos, adorning? Correct. As for and first world. 1 Peter 3.3. 3. 1 Peter 3.3. 3. Um, but yeah, it's... So when you're studying, you understand that there, that this... Listen, I don't want to bog you down with this, but again... We, we, a lot of times, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Austin, just, ju- just understand that when you're not studying and you're not looking at this as it sh- should be looked at, you're missing out on what it's actually saying. You know, if, 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 if the physician said, listen, you need to eat this type of meat for three days and you need to drink this kind of drink for three days, and so you think, okay, meat. Yeah, you know, grasshoppers are meat. I'll just go eat some grasshoppers. Uh, drink well, you know, sewage is drink. You can drink it; it's awful. But you, I mean, you, you got to understand what exactly he's asking you to do, right? The scripture tells us you, you got to understand exactly what's been told you. Now, I can tell by some of you there's a frustration setting in. Why is it? Because Pastor Don's putting something on us that we don't really want. Listen, Pastor Don doesn't want it. My flesh does. That this is too hard for me in my flesh. But you know what? My spirit it's so revealing and it's so powerful. And it, and it makes my flesh life be, to be put under control. You ever wonder why you have con- some problems with your flesh life? 
It's understanding the word. That's the, that's the issue. All right, let's go to another word, the one I have on top, saved. Mark 16 and 16. Mark chapter 16 and 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. We've talked about this word a little bit with Brian. So the Greek word for saved here, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, is sozo. It means to deliver, protect, heal, preserve, save, do well, be whole. That's the, what the word saved means. So he that believeth and is baptized, what shall happen? He'll be delivered, protected, healed, preserved, saved. Do, he'll do well, be whole. So now while you're thinking about that one, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Maybe I'll just turn to that. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. This is verses you're very familiar with. Let's read verses 20 and 21. Which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure wherein to baptism even does now also save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this word here is not sozo. This word here in the Greek is diasozo. It's sozo with dia on the front. D-I-A. It means to thoroughly rescue, cure, preserve. In verse 21, the Greek word for save is sozo, like in Mark 16. So you've got saved in verse 20, and save in verse 21, and there's two different words. Is that you're following me so far? And we're talking about studying the Bible here. This is important. Why, why we need to understand it? Because each scripture references baptism as sozo to deliver, protect, heal, and preserve. That's Mark 16 and 16, and then 1 Peter 3 and 21. They have the same word sozo, meaning to deliver. Okay. So, so. The, the word previous to that, we'll, we'll just, let, me, let me get a little further. So in Romans chapter 10, Paul uses the same word for save and saved as sozo, Romans chapter 10. The context of Mark 16 and 1 Peter 3 is different, though, than the context of Romans chapter 10. The context of Mark 16 and 1 Peter 3 are different they're different contexts and are different than the context of Romans 10, even though sozo is used in each context. So understanding the meaning of the word, but understanding there's a context difference. So let's Mark 16 and 1 Peter 3, reference belief and baptized. Eight souls were saved uh, by water. The like figure baptism also now saves us. And so there's a thorough rescue. They were saved by water. In other words, there was a thorough rescue of their lives as they were saved by water. But there was also a thorough rescue of their souls because God wasn't, they weren't saved by the ark. We've talked about this, right? They weren't, Noah and his family weren't saved by the ark. It doesn't say that. It says that they were saved by water. The like figure we're into baptism also now saves us. So the water was washing away sinful man who had 
penetrated Noah's family with sinfulness because all everybody had their mind on evil then. And so they were saved not just from... They were, the, the whole basis of it is understand this. The sozo in context can mean something totally different than another context. So just, just look at this. So Paul references to being saved in Romans 10. He begins Romans 10 in verse 1 saying, This is my prayer that, that the people of God, the house of Israel, the people, God's people Israel will be saved. So let's stop for a second. In Romans 10, it's a letter written by Paul to the church in Rome. Now, these are Jewish people in Rome that are now in the church. So why would they need to be saved? Well, let's understand the context of the word. If you read through Romans 10, what you find is, and you have to jump back to Romans 9 to get the full context of it, is to understand that they had begun to reach back, like in the book of Hebrews, because that's the book of Hebrews talks about this quite a bit. They had begun to reach back into the law. They had to, they, when, and I'm just giving you the context of this. And because of that, Paul said, listen, you know, my, my, I want the Jews in the church and out of the church. I want them all to be saved. But understanding, you cannot reach back into the law. If you reach back into the law, then, then the blood of Jesus Christ is of none effect. So his prayer is that they learn to understand that in order for them to be saved, they are going to have to stand in public and denounce the law. That if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. And so the word here, again, is they're not being saved from their sin. They're being saved from falling back into the law. So you see the, the context here? He's not discussing sin. The context is the Old Testament into the New Testament. In order for you guys to be saved, you've got to, you've got to confess that Jesus, and to confess that Jesus is the Lord is to walk away from the old law. But you have to confess it. That he's the Lord, in order to show everybody you're walking away from. So you understand then the word save there is different, right? No? Yes? I'm, I'm sorry if I'm being very elementary, but we're going to start elementary because we're going to work into some pretty thorough things. When you read the context of the letter written by Paul to the church in Rome, you find his reference is that the Jews have to surrender to the Old Testament in order to be a part of the New Testament. You can't do both. Jesus is the fulfillment. You know, they asked Jesus, you know, which is the greatest commandment? He said, well, I've, I can make this real easy for you. All of the commandments and all that God gave in the Old Testament, they all hang on two, two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those, you've kept the entire law. Now, up until this point, they had 469 points of law they had to keep in order to be saved. It's not what God gave. It's what they added to and put in. And so what he's saying is, listen, in order for you to be saved from that, you're going to have to confess him. And when you confess him, what you're saying is, we're no longer under that. We're under him. It had nothing to do with their sin. It had to do with the Old and New Testament. So what they call Messianic Jews. How do the... Messianic Jews 
work that. Confuse that? Well, I, I don't know what it is, but they celebrate all the te all the feasts and they right. follow of both things. So the, mes the messianic Jews. We had a couple that came here one time that were messianic Jews. You probably remember them. And so their belief is Jesus said, "I've come not to forsake the law, fulfill it." And so what they said Jesus was saying is that we don't for we don't forsake the old law. We still do it, but Jesus is the end of it. And so they say we have to do all of it. When in fact, you know, Paul wrote many times that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law in Him. In Him is all fulfillment. In Him, not in law. And so, yeah, they celebrate the feast, and they, they consider themselves Messianic Jews, even though they may not be a Jew at all. That During the Messianic age, they become Jews by fulfilling the old law. When, in fact, Paul wrote specifically, don't be doing that. You can't do both. When he says you must confess Jesus... Without looking at up the word, I feel like that means he's telling them you have to choose Jesus over the, so the, old, the old way. But I don't know. Maybe so the key I'm word here is to look up the word confessed. Right. So there's a word study. So we think of confessed as I speak with my mouth. But confessed could be a lot more like my lifestyle changes. Just like, you know... Uh, a lot of times we think because we, where the Bible says for us to speak, that word speak actually means lifestyle. So understand, that's why word study is so very important. Because they don't just stand in the courts and say, Jesus is Lord. No, their whole life changes. That's their confession. Their whole life changes. So it's a good point. Their whole life changes. But what's happened in denominations is we've taken part of a context and used a word out of context and made a doctrine of salvation out of it. That if I confess with my mouth and believe my heart, I'll be saved. It says nothing at all about repentance there. And yet Jesus said, unless you repent, you're going to perish. So you understand there's a context here. The context is this is a letter to the church. This is not a letter to the lost. What word do I have up there? Uh, pr profess. Profess. Set, confess. Yeah, profess. Yeah. I, I, and I guess it helped if I looked at it. Yeah. To declare openly, speak out freely, to profess oneself, the worshiper of one. So they had to worship. They had to speak it out. They had to worship, to praise, to celebrate. It had to be a life expression. A life expression. Because listen, they did all of that in the Old Testament. They worshiped. They prayed. They did all of that in the Old Testament. Now they did it towards the law, now to God. Now they've got to do it towards Christ Jesus. That's what profesh really means. Thank you, Brian. That's where the Blue Letter Bible is so good. It brings it up very quick. Boom. Okay, so understand that they had to surrender the... Okay. So when you pull that up and it has the Roman numerals, One, outline, two. outline of biblical usage, Yeah. that's just different ways to use it. Correct. To two use number two there. Homologio. Homologio, yeah? So, so what does it mean? To concede. To confess means to concede. So you've got to concede something when you confess. What, is, what are they conceding? The old law. Uh, not to refuse, to promise. So you had to make a promise. Not only is confession conceding the old law and bringing coming into the new grace, but it's making a promise into the new grace. Confession, uh, you know, to declare. 
uh, to admit or declare oneself guilty of what one is accused of. I mean, when you go down, you see it one, two, three, number four is the praise. As you go down in the blue letter, you find all the variations of so what you, it, all those definitions could fit, work. Yeah. Fill, okay. Yeah. They all work and fit into, but you got to understand this is just one word. And in English, what do you think confess means? You speak with your mouth. That's because if you go to the, if you confess that you stole something, you're just telling me, yeah, I, I did it, I did it. But, that, but the, the Hebrew word for confess is, it's a magnitude. That's why studying is so important. The standard, yeah. Right. Yeah. Did y'all hear that? Webster's Dictionary, they'll give you this. You'll always find like A, B, C, or D or. He beat you to the punch. Talk before the mic. So what in Romans 10, they were sozo. They, they were saved from the old law into the new grace. So let's take one more. Do I have time? This is, you got seven minutes? Okay. Let's take one more. Giant. Giant. What, is, what do you think giant means in English? Huh? Big, tall, large, giant. Huh? Jason. Goliath. Yeah, big, big, tall, large. Jason, Goliath. <laughs> giant. So when we think of giant, what, what do we, what's the first thing you think of when you think of giant? Huge. Okay. When, when you think biblically giant, what do you think of? Goliath. There you go, Goliath. Why do you think of Goliath? He was a huge, tall man. Turn to Genesis chapter 6. I'll get through this as quick as I can. Giants, S will be in there. Same word. Yeah. One letter off. Yeah, if it's a, if you add an S to the end of it, it there's like... A thousand times they say love. There's a thousand times they say loves. Yeah. I'm like, that's a lot. Or ed, ed, loved. Yeah. yeah. Changes the. That was hard to look at. Yeah. That, that's why the Strong's is. When you're first studying, Strong's is good because it's letter. It, I mean, you know, it's word. But when you start getting into verse study, it, it, this blue letter Bible just takes you to a whole new level, way beyond what you can imagine. What's the verse? Six and four. You want me to read it? Let me just read. And it came to pass, verse 1, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all whom which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be in a hundred and twenty years. Verse 4, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, 
when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, that they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Tell me what that scripture means. What do you get out of that? Big people? Going by the de- English, yeah, going by the English definitions. Big people? Uh, y'all are afraid to y'all are afraid to speak it out, aren't you? Angels, angels mixing with people. Angels ma- mating with people. Yes. Why would you come? Because it said sons of gods and daughters of men. Yes. Okay, sons of God being angels, because there's a reference in the Bible to sons of God being angels. Yes. Can I stop here for just a second? When you look up the word sons, it's bane, b-a-n-e. It's the same word for daughter. Sons and daughter are the same. Hebrew word, and they mean the, that which is able to procreate or produce a lineage. That's what Bain means. Okay. I want you to look at this verse very closely. The daughters were born unto them. Okay, we understand, verse 1, that daughters were born just as well men. The sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and took them wives. And the Lord said, my spirit. Now, go to verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bare children. So there were, there were giants before the sons of God and the daughters of men bare children. It wasn't that the sons of God and the daughters of men bore children and they became giants. One of the, one of the teachings in most Christian movements is that the giants in the Old Testament were the result of the fallen angels, the Nephilim, as the Hebrew word Nephilim says, Nephilim, keep that in your mind, and that because they, became, they called them the Nephilim because they were a mix of angel and, and woman, and that made giants. Have you ever heard that? Okay. Most of us believe that, don't we? So let's look up the word giant, the word giant. It's Nephil, N-E-P-H-I-Y. Well, that sounds like Nephilim. Hold on. It's Nephil. Nephil, it means feller, a feller. You know what a feller is? I'm from East Texas. She's a girl and he's a feller. Okay. A feller. Ne- nef- giants here. The, the Hebrew word is Nephil, N-E-P-H-I-Y-L. N-E-P-H-I-Y-L, Nephil. Now, let me stop here. I bought a, uh, not long ago, got another Strong's updated. And you know what it says? Corrected. You know why things get corrected. Were they wrong in the beginning? Maybe, maybe not. But generally things get corrected because there's a new narrative. It's a new narrative. In order to make this narrative fit, we have to add this in. Nephilim, the word Nephilim is not in the Bible. And Anakin is in the Bible. There were giants. Remember when they sent the 12 people in, spies in, they came back, and the two, Joshua and Caleb, oh, we can go. And the other, oh, man, there's giants. Look up that word giant. Giants. And understand something. The word Nephil means a feller, a bully, or a tyrant. Has nothing to do with the size of the individual. So these giants that you're talking about in, in chapter 6, verse 4, weren't these huge human beings. They were bullies and tyrants. If you keep reading the Scripture, they became mighty men and were men of renown. They, in other words, they took over. 
they became the bully and tyrants. They took over the earth. Well, what about when they said that, that when Joshua said, or the, the spies said that they were grasshoppers? Like grasshoppers. Yeah. So gra- you look at the word grasshopper, and the word grasshopper means what it is. But you understand the context. Okay. The context was that we've been told to go over, and we've been told to take over. And when we got over there, we found these bullies, these tyrants that make us look. Have you ever been in a business meeting or in a class or whatever, and there was a person that made everybody else look stupid? They were the giant of the room. You know, there are people that, that will literally sit in a room and want you to believe they're the know-all, do-all, been-all guy. They have it all. They've done If you caught a bit fish, they caught one just a little bigger. If you ran fast, they ran a little faster. And so that's exactly what was going on when they came back. They, weren't, they were saying, listen, these people make us look small. That's what bullies do. They make their enemy look small. They're ty- tyrannical. You see, we have a mindset about what giant is when the first, their first things are always correct in Scripture and they always, the law of first things, if it's that in Scripture, even go to where, you can go to 2 Samuel, I don't have time. Go, go, when you go home, read it. 2 Samuel chapter 20, it talks about Goliath of Gath and then it talks about the other four giants and read what it says. It doesn't say anything about their size. You find a description of Goliath in Scripture but you find no description here. Why is that? Because it's not talking about the same thing. It's not in the context. The context of Goliath was that he was this huge man with a weaver's beam for a sword. So there's a context there. The context here is that uh, I'm sorry if I'm blowing out your deal. No, this, this, this is good because... A- angels were created in the angelic form in spiritual form. We've heard the scripture, you know, be careful that we entertain angels unaware. And we think that means an angel that looks like a human. Because we've read in scripture where there were two men in white apparel that sat at the, when the door, the stone was rolled away. And we automatically assume, what is, take, when you get home, assume, divide it in three ways, you'll, you'll figure that one out. When you assume, you're going to really get in trouble. Because angels are messengers. Angels, if you're a messenger of God, you're considered an angel. So understand this, entertaining angels unawares simply means that there could be those around you doing God's work and be careful that you're not, enter, that you're, hey, they're entertaining them. But our concept goes all the way back to Genesis 6 when the angels had sex with the women and created these giants. When we just read, the giants were there before the angels and the women had sex. If that's what happened, that's not what happened. The sons and daughters are the same Bane word that means those that can reproduce and create a future generation. Angels were, boy, how can I say this? I got, angels were not equipped like humans. I, I, I can't go any further than that. They're not equipped like humans. They're not designed to procreate. And so now they're saying the Nephilim, which is the fallen ones. The word Nephilim has now been introduced now because it talks about the fallen ones. So who are the fallen ones in Scripture? Angels? Well, that was quick because we want, to throw, we want to throw rocks at everybody else. Who's the fallen ones? We are. We're the fallen ones. Now, did there were angels that fell? Yeah. And their scriptures, they're locked in change. They're locked in change in, in darkness until the time of their judgment. When you start studying words, you start finding out maybe what mom and daddy taught me wasn't exactly right. Maybe they were off a little bit. 
You see how important it is? I went way over, and I'm sorry. We've only got five minutes to worship, but we're going we're gonna to get into this again next week. I want you to think of some words, look at some words in Scripture, and we're going to go through them. But let's talk about this again next week, okay? You see how doctrines are formed and how easily not understanding a word can create this huge doctrine. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.